Mother's Day. And we want to acknowledge all the women we're blessed to know. We rejoice over you, for your strength, your wisdom, your strong love, and your beautiful faith. Whether today is a celebration for you or a day of quiet reflection and healing, we're thinking of all of you. If you gave birth this year to your first child, our joy overflows and we celebrate with you. If you adopted a child this year or became a foster parent, we rejoice with you and we want to honor you in your commitment to changing the lives of children. If you continue to struggle with infertility, we are hoping with you and holding your hand in prayer. If you are exhausted and feeling underappreciated for all you do for a house full of kids, we applaud you. We love you and we appreciate you more than you can ever imagine. And if you lost a child this year to death or miscarriage, we weep and mourn with you. And if your child is lost to addiction or to the world, we hurt with you and we join you in putting our hope in the one who brings prodigals home. If you live with painful memories of your mom, we pray that you will find in a spiritual mother all that you never had from a birth mom. And if you're one of those amazing spiritual moms, we thank you for stepping up and being there when others couldn't. If you're experiencing an empty nest for the first time this year, we walk with you in this new season and are excited about the next chapter God has planned for you. If you're single, we celebrate your strength, beauty, and individuality, and join with you in praying for the desires of your heart. If you're a single mom and wonder if you have the physical energy and financial resources to raise and provide for your child or children, we want to help you, and we will. And if you're pregnant for the first time, we prayerfully anticipate with you the joyful birth of a healthy child. And to all the special women on this Mother's Day, rest and delight in knowing that we are thankful for you and we celebrate each and every one of you. Amen. So let's have all the men stand and let's honor our ladies here this morning. Can we do that? Let's honor the ladies. Standing ovation here this morning. We honor you. Amen. We admire you. We appreciate you. Amen. Very much. You may be seated uh, here this morning. I, I loved, uh, when I saw that video, I loved all the different ways uh, it described moms and their ministry in the world today. Of course, many of us have had children, and that's amazing. Many are adoptive moms or foster moms, spiritual moms. What an important role that is. So, ladies... Uh, we just want to honor you, all the teachers here in our community. You take on another role as mom in the classroom. And, of course, those who are uh, communicating God's love in our children's ministry. You know, ladies have a special gift for love. Have you noticed, men? Aren't you thankful for that? This would be a good time for you to nod your head. Um, <clears throat> they do. They have a special gift for love. It, it says in uh, Genesis 2.18, I, I know we all know this verse, 
Uh, it's not good for a man to be alone. I will make a, a, him a helper suitable. And some of us know our kids wouldn't be alive today if it hadn't been for their mom. Uh, could some of the semi, uh, uh, men say amen to that? It's just really true. The special gift that you have. Uh, women complete the picture of God's love uh, in our families, uh, of course, in our homes, throughout our community. And so we just want to honor you this morning. And I'm going to talk a little bit about where where can I find strength? That's uh, the title this morning. I'm going to ask you to turn to Luke chapter 1 in your Bible this morning. There are so many challenges uh, when it comes to being a mom today. Some of you are younger moms and uh, just starting out, and uh, some of you have been a mom for uh, a long time. Uh, there's so many challenges, so many uh, moral issues, same moral issues, but just coming at us. Uh, in, in so many different ways. And moms are the first line of defense. They seem to find out things in the life of the kids before dads do. And oftentimes moms are trying to teach right or wrong or respect a brother and sister or whatever it is. There's financial problems. Almost every mom I meet today almost is, is of course, in some kind of career trying to help provide for families. We've got uh, doctors and nurses and teachers. And you as moms, you're wearing, uh, you know, you've got the career hat on during the day. Sometimes you come home and you trade it for the super mom cap. And I don't know how you do it. I, I just, I really, I, I don't know. Then you try to have fun. You realize how important it is for kids to laugh and to have fun, just do special things, vacations, whatever it is together. How many know on a vacation, it's more fun to plan them and look at the pictures afterwards <laughs> than it is to actually get your family through the vacation. But anyway, uh, you know, it says in Proverbs 17, verse 22, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. And, you know, trying to balance all these things as a mom, it's just an incredible job. Where, where can I find strength? I think, I think Mary is a great example uh, for all of us as a mother here this morning in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. I, I don't think we often think through all the pressures that Mary faced as the mother of Jesus. We think that maybe she had a perfect life or a little e easier life. <laughs> Do you know the social pressure that Mary faced when she became pregnant in her culture? Uh, the thought that she could possibly... Uh, be put out of the synagogue, uh, that she could even be stoned according to the law. Um, she was probably, uh, in, in, in many ways, looked down upon uh, by friends, people in the community, her family, because she was pregnant. No one understood that it was through the power of the Holy Spirit. And, uh, of course, she had to stand alone in the face of all that pressure. It was hard. Uh, remember when uh, they wanted, King Herod wanted to kill Jesus uh, after Jesus was born. And uh, Mary and Joseph had to flee to Egypt. She had to live for years as a refugee in Egypt. And there was no text messaging. There was no Skype. There was no FaceTime. Okay, she couldn't talk to her mom or her dad or her family for, for several years. Mary spent many years of her life as a single parent. The last time in Scripture we see Joseph was alive was when Jesus was 12 years old and they traveled to Jerusalem uh, to take part of the Passover feast. Well, there were four more children at least born after Jesus. So, you know, Mary was a mom of five and uh, spent much of her life as a single parent. And, of course, I'm sure Jesus, uh, trained as a carpenter under his father's 
teaching, probably helped provide it along with other brothers and sisters. But there was incredible pressure for her just to, just to make life work. Incredible pressure just to make life work. As an adult, isn't it amazing? You thought when your kids graduated from high school, hallelujah, I'm free, empty nest. <laughs> Not so much. As, as when your kids are adults, when Jesus was an adult, just the pressure that Mary faced as the mother of Jesus. You know, everybody thought Jesus was going to uh, lead the nation of Israel in revolt against Rome, overthrow all the uh, Roman soldiers and the tyranny of Rome. And instead, what did he do? Well, he healed the sick. He opened blind eyes. He communicated God's love to people. That was wonderful. How many could say amen to that? But it wasn't what people thought. You know, in, uh, in, in Matthew 12 and in Luke chapter 6, it, it says, or excuse me, 8, I think it is. It says that there was, there was a time when so many people were coming to Jesus that he and his disciples had not eaten for three days. Can you imagine being so busy you haven't eaten, literally, for for three days. And his family, it says Mary and his brothers came to get him. They thought, I, I know this is hard to imagine, they thought he was insane. They thought he had lost his mind and they came to rescue him, literally. And, and you know what Jesus said? When they came, He said, these are my mothers and brothers and sisters, these who do the will of God. In other words, he refused to go out to them. So she felt abandoned by her son because she didn't understand and, and he couldn't allow her to pull him off the mission and, and purpose uh, that he had for his life. It, she had a challenging life. And of course, when Jesus died on the cross, can you imagine? Some of you have lost uh, children at a, at a young age. And of course, Mary's hopes in the idea that he was going to be the Messiah, he was the son of God, the angel said. And yet she watched him, uh, you know, brutally beaten and die on the cross. She just, where, where did she find strength? How, how could she navigate all of that. I think Mary was more like us than we realize. I'm going to begin reading in verse 26 of Luke chapter 1. I'm going to read down uh, here to begin with through verse 38. It says, In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, son of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Can we say that out loud together? Do not be afraid. Maybe you should put your own name in there. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great. And will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? 
Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. She is said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. First thing I want to talk about is that Mary understood that she had a holy calling. Did you see verse 38? I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. I am the Lord's servant. Can all the ladies say that with me? I am the Lord's servant. Could you say it to yourself and maybe remind yourself? I am the Lord's servant. You know, if you're a mom, you have a holy calling. You really do. You have a holy calling. You may not be the mother of Jesus, but you are the mother of uh, someone Jesus died for. You have a holy calling. You've been set apart by God to demonstrate, of course, his love and care for the children that he's put underneath uh, your covering and your wing. Now, I realize there are days when you really would question that, because the dailiness of life is so hard, isn't it? Just the daily grind. Uh, I'll never forget a plaque I saw in a friend's house. It was hanging above the sink, okay, in the kitchen. I love it. It says, divine duties done here daily, okay? <laughs> Just reminding, reminding mom, you have a holy calling that what I'm doing, even though it's daily and it's difficult and there's a grind, it's never easy. We're always weary, but divine duty is done here daily. I, I love this. It says in Galatians uh, 6, verse 9, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. How many ladies would say hallelujah? <laughs> at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. I heard a story. Uh, this is years ago. Uh, a single mom in our church. Uh, she was a new Christian, single mom, and she was trying to get her family on track, had uh, two children, Kevin and Ryan. Kevin was five, and Ryan was three. And uh, one morning, uh, she decided to make pancakes for her children. Well, uh, first pancake was done, so she called the boys to the table. And uh, of course, what did the boys do? They immediately began to argue over who was gonna get the first pancake. That probably wouldn't happen in your house. But she thought, okay, you know, we're trying, we're, we're working hard at becoming, you know, being a Christian family. This is a great opportunity to teach a moral lesson. So she says, Kevin, if Jesus were sitting here, what would he do? Okay, makes sense, doesn't it? If Jesus were sitting here, what he, would he do? Kevin, you know, kind of hangs his head and he would probably let his brother have the first pancake. <clears throat> so uh, she said, so what are you going to do? And Kevin says, Ryan, why don't you be Jesus this time? And I'll... <laughs> Smart kid. <laughs> Guy's getting it, you know what I'm saying? Oh. You know, they don't get it. We try so hard to teach and they sometimes they just don't get it. But here's Proverbs 22, 6. 
Train up a child in the way that he should go, and even when he's old, he will not depart from it. Can I read it again? Uh, this is certainly a principle that uh, many of us have found true in our lives. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he's old, he won't depart from it. I want to encourage you. Ladies, you have a holy calling. And of course, men, you do as well. We're going to talk about that here uh, next. But it's true. Don't give up. Don't be discouraged. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Second thing that Mary had was a committed husband. This is super important. Uh, we don't know a lot about Joseph in the Bible. Uh, as a husband or as a father, we don't have any of those stories. But we see something about his character in Matthew chapter 1, verse 19. It says that Joseph was a righteous man and did not want Mary to be exposed to public disgrace. Now, uh, all of us are familiar with the fact that uh, this was a very difficult time for Mary. Uh, all of a sudden, she's explaining to people that, that she's pregnant. And I don't, if I was Mary, I wouldn't even have tried to explain it was from the Holy Spirit. I don't think people would have got it. I don't think they would have believed it. I mean, are you kidding me? Pregnant by the Holy Spirit? Mary, come on. And so there was the possibility of disgrace and exposure and, of course, like I mentioned earlier, even being stoned to death was in the law. And of course, I don't think that was practiced uh, often by this time in Israel's history, but it was there. Verse 19 of Matthew 1 says, Joseph was a righteous man. He did not want Mary to be exposed to public disgrace. Do you understand how hurt Joseph was? He had planned on marrying Mary. She was going to be his bride. And now that she was pregnant, it was against the law for her to, him to marry her, according to Jewish culture. And so this was very difficult and uh, for him to want to lash out and uh, be angry. Uh, says here, Joseph was a righteous man. He didn't allow his hurt to cause him to lash out. He didn't allow his pain or his pride, or his own reputation. This was difficult for Joseph as well to get in the way of wanting to honor Mary. There's something about that. Mary had someone on her side, on her team. Mary had someone who, who wanted to protect her, who wanted to care for her, even in the midst of the difficulty and, and pain. And I think that really says something important uh, to all of us as men about being a husband and about being a father because parenting takes hard work and a team, a team together is so much better uh, than just by yourself. It says in Ecclesiastes 4 verse 9, two are better than one uh, because they have good return for their work. And I'll tell you, to raise a family takes time, it takes sacrifice it takes serving one another as husband and wife, of course, uh, along with just trying to serve your children. Let me, let me throw out some, uh, what I think are goals for parenting. And I, some of you are younger parents here and you're beginning to think through, uh, what is it gonna mean for me to have a child? And, and what are my goals gonna be? How do I approach this? Let me just throw some out there. I think there are four that are real easy. Number one, you're trying to prepare 
your children for life. When they're young, you're going to add the structure. Later, you want them to be on track to control themselves and make wise decisions. So you're trying to prepare your children for life. Number two, you're trying to protect your children in storms, not from storms. We're going to talk about that a little bit. You want to protect them in the storms so they don't be crushed, but you don't want to keep them from learning responsibility. So you protect them uh, in storms. You want to provide for their needs. And unfortunately, sometimes men, we just, oh, I'm the provider. And, and when you try to shirk the responsibility of protecting and training and, and preparing your children for life, well, the provision is the easy part. Okay, we do provide for their practical needs, but provision is, is easy. Number four, point your children toward God. And those are four things that you're trying to do in your household with your children. If you're watching online or you're one of us here in the, in the service, uh, preparing your children for life. Let's talk about that briefly, okay? It says in Luke chapter 2, verse 52, Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature in favor with God and with men. Jesus grew in wisdom. Obviously, that's uh, intellectual education, but it's also insight, insight into life. Jesus grew in wisdom. How many parents want your children to grow in wisdom? To grow to insight and perspective, to understand what's really going on in the world, to see beyond the surface, to understand the consequences of decisions long term, and to have perspective on the battle. You know, the Bible talks about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life. You all deal with it, I deal with it, and your kids from early on have to deal with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes the boastful pride of life. Oh, those cute little kids. Well, they are cute. How many know they're little sinners? <laughs> they are. They just are. And, and trying to prepare them for life, trying to help them gain self-control and perspective in their life. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature, physical strength and responsibility. Uh, proving themselves in the midst of responsibilities and culture. We're trying to help our children grow in all those things to prepare them for life in favor with God and men. Of course, uh, we want them to understand their sin and their sin nature. We want them to learn to confess their sin to God. We want, to, uh, want them to learn to confess their sin to their brother or their sister that they've offended or to people that they've hurt or to their parents. We want them to develop a spiritual life and a relationship with God where they can give thanks to God for everything in their life. Do you know that giving thanks is the thing missing in our culture today? People turn away from God because they don't give thanks to God for everything. How many believe that God is above everything? If we stop giving thanks to God, our hearts turn away from Him. Isn't it amazing? You know, just the phrase, I'll, I'll say it, but it's so common in our culture, God damn it. You know what people are saying when they're saying that? They're blaming God for all the wrongs. That's what they're doing when they say that. When people say, God damn it, they are blaming God for all the wrongs rather than understanding that God loved us so much he wants to deliver us from the wrong. 
within ourselves and the wrong uh, within the world. That's why Jesus came. That's why he died on the cross, to pay the penalty for our sins. And yet people curse God constantly. It's prevalent in our culture. They refuse to give thanks to God and honor God in, in their life. And I'll tell you, the pressure on your children to follow the culture the pressure on your children to follow the culture and not give thanks to God. You know, sometimes during our worship time at church, I feel like there's oppression that holds us back from giving thanks to God the way we should. And, and I don't know what it is. I don't know whether there's difficulty that you're going through. But how many think that God is worthy of praise <laughs> and worthy of thanks? giving. There's joy in the house of the Lord. I appreciated that song so much. I just can't sing it with my hands in my pockets. I've got to express thanksgiving and praise to God. It's so important for us, and it's so important uh, to teach our children to honor the Lord. Jesus grew in wisdom, insight into life, stature, responsibility, in favor with God, growing in his relationship, growing in knowledge of God's word, his obedience to God, grew in favor with God and man. Of course, there's communication spills and spills, skills, and living within society. There's so many things. It's not easy. It takes hard work. How many have decided to resign as a mother and a father after, after I, my five minutes there, okay? It's not easy. You can't do it for them. You really can't. You can plant seeds. You can provide opportunity. You can train, but the choice is theirs ultimately. And that's why prayer, so important for us as parents, one of the most important things we keep doing for our kids is praying. We're trying to prepare our children for life. We're trying to pray for them in the midst of traps or difficulties they fall into. We prepare our children for life. We protect them in storms. And Storms are going to happen for your children, but what I want to encourage you not to do is do not protect them from storms. I mean, train them so they won't go through as many, okay? How many would say amen to that? Okay, but don't protect them. In other words, don't take their responsibility. Don't solve the problem for them. Don't fix it for them. Don't protect them from storms. Protect them in storms. Don't let them be crushed but allow them to man up or woman up. Allow them to grow in accountability for what they've done in their lives. Just super important that as they go through seasons of storm and difficulty that we don't overprotect or overfix or oversolve. They've got to learn to make it through some of the storms you've made it through in your life. And if you don't let them go through it, uh, they'll never make it. We've got to prepare them for life, protect them in storms, not from. Provide, of course, that's the easy part sometimes. For those of you who are single parents, it's super challenging in the day we live to try to uh, provide for our children. And then we want to point them toward God. And I just want to encourage you. That's why we're here as a church. We, we want to help point your children toward God. We can't do it for you. 99% of their training in their relationship with God is going to happen at home. It's going to happen at bedtime. It's going to happen in the morning when they get up. It's going to happen throughout the day. The church can't do all of it, but we can partner with you in supporting. Right now, the idea of time with God 
is such a small part of people's lives. It's such a small part of your child's life. If they've got six or eight hours in school, they've got the average person spends five hours a day on media of some kind, Facebook, social media of some kind, internet, YouTube, five hours a day, average American citizen. There's not much time for God. And it's very, very important for us to understand that that's, that's the challenge. How do we do that? How do we process that? There are lots of wise people in this church that have walked through a lot of that with their kids. And I just want to encourage you, you don't have to go through this alone. We're here to pray with you, to stand beside you. Ladies' events like what my wife talked about just a few minutes ago, the reason why we try to provide those is because we know that you need support. And that's the last thing I'll mention here this morning is that Mary had a holy calling she had a committed husband. The last thing, she had an older female friend who helped encourage her. Luke chapter 1, verse 39 through 56. I'm not going to take time to read. This is the story of Mary going down to visit her relative Elizabeth. So I invite you to read it maybe at another time at home. But it's interesting to me that one of the first things that Mary did when she found out that she was going to conceive by the Holy Spirit and have a child who was going to be the Messiah, the first thing she did was travel to see her relative who was also pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit. She wanted to learn from her. She wanted fellowship with another woman who had experienced a miracle from God. How do I do this? How do I walk through this? And so she traveled, and she spent three months, it says in, I believe it's verse 56 in Luke chapter, she spent three months with Mary. And they, they're both part of a miracle. I mean, Elizabeth was uh, pregnant in her older age after uh, the years of childbearing. She was pregnant miraculously by the Holy Spirit. And of course, Mary, as a teenager, 15 or 16 years old, and yet when Mary walked into the house, the Bible says that the baby leapt in Elizabeth's womb and she was filled with the Holy Spirit. That is a picture of Christian fellowship. Jesus and Mary and Elizabeth experiencing the dynamic presence of the Holy Spirit in her life as well in the life of her son, uh, John the Baptist. It's an amazing picture of Christian fellowship, and we need that. Boy, we need that kind of support and encouragement uh, from one another. There's no husband, ladies. I hate to say this. It's true. There's no husband on this planet that can meet all of your emotional needs. None. Not a perfect man in this room. And that husband that you thought was the answer when you married him, he's amazing, <laughs> okay? But he can't meet all your needs. Jesus is the bread of life. And growing in your relationship with him and being encouraged in relationship with other women is super important to be able to to walk out this journey uh, for the rest of your life. Even some of you who are older, just having a friend to pray with in regard to your adult children and what they're going through in their life, it's just so important. It says in Titus 2, verse 3 and 4, it says the older 
uh, women, uh, teach the younger women to love their husbands and love their children. And uh, I just want to encourage you that Mary surrounded her life with support, the support that would help her uh, to, to carry this journey. And so, uh, brothers, uh, if you're a husband here in the room, I want to encourage you, kick your wife out of the house when there's a ladies' night or a morning coffee or an event where uh, they can uh, get some fellowship, get some prayer for some other ladies, maybe get some wisdom from some other ladies. I want to encourage you to come alongside, uh, maybe take on the kids or the grandkids uh, that morning or that evening so that you can release them to get the fellowship that they need so they can grow in their relationship with God because he's the one that's going to carry them through all this. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up. We're going to say a special prayer for you ladies here this morning. Uh, but as we uh, conclude, I'm going to finish with Isaiah 40, uh, verse 29 through 31. Such a great verse. Uh, God, he, here at the beginning, God gives strength to the weary and increases power, the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. Uh, they will walk and not faint. I'm going to invite all of us to stand here as uh, we prepare to conclude. And uh, if, you, if you came with... Uh, your spouse or maybe your kids uh, I'd love for you to reach out your hand we want to say a prayer for the ladies and uh, I, I know some of you don't have someone close by to take a hand with right now I'm thinking of you wish I could reach out and take your hand so I'm doing it right now in the spirit okay uh, none of us are alone Jesus you're with us we thank you so much Lord for strength that comes from you Lord we thank you for the holy calling we have in this world right now, Jesus. We're set apart by God. So Lord, I want to pray for every mom, Jesus, with those who have hopes of being moms, Lord, with moms of adopted children or foster children, Lord, moms who are teachers in our schools, leading Christian uh, evangelism fellowship groups in schools, Lord, moms who Lord, carry adult children, Lord. We just thank you, Lord, for the ministry of our wives and mothers. And Lord, we pray for an encouragement and strength. Jesus, we pray for the wonderful fellowship of the Holy Spirit to bring promises into their soul, to build them up and lift them up. Lord, I pray for my brothers here this morning. Lord, we want to be engaged and involved, helping with the teaching and the training. Lord, we want to be a part of preparing our children for life and our grandchildren for life. Jesus, help us with that. We thank you for the holy calling. Give us wisdom. Give us confidence, Lord, that uh, you're with us. And Lord, move by the power of the Holy Spirit through our lives and through our prayers. We thank you for that this morning. Pray these things in Jesus' name. We all say amen together. Amen.